constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Recorded live in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, this is the Beyond the Game program, sports talk without the trash talk. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson, and yes, the program is recorded live. We are, in fact, living and breathing as we recorded this week's show. (laughs) Thanks for being with us. If you would like to contact the show, probably the best way to do that is message us through social media or visit our website at BTG program or BTG program.com. The prophet Azariah encouraged King Asa by reminding him of God's words to the nation of Israel many years prior. He says in 2 Chronicles chapter 15 verse 7, "But you be strong and do not lose courage, for there is reward for your work." It had been 657 days since Nathan Eovaldi took the mound in a major league game, Zach, coming off a second Tommy John surgery, Eovaldi was back for the first time Wednesday night as a starting pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, and he no hit them for six and he no hit the Oakland A's for six innings, striking out four, walking only one, and leading the Rays to a six zero win over the A's. That's a great comeback game. Yeah, that's pretty wild. He was removed after throwing only seventy pitches. Obviously he was on a pitch limit. While he admitted since that it was the right move, at the time he didn't like it. And when manager Kevin Cash came out to pull him from the game, he even had to be you know, pushed a little bit to shake um, his manager's hands. I didn't want to shake his hand, Evaldi said. I haven't gone seven innings in a really long time, so we played it safe and it was good. I would have liked to stay out there until I gave up a hit, but I understand the situation as well. The thing about that start for Evaldi was he was clocked pretty regularly at over 90 throughout mm-hmm. the night, which your first game back in 600 and some days, man, that's fantastic. You have to feel good for a guy who's been through so much and becoming just the 12th pitcher. He's only the 12th pitcher in history to make a start after having two Tommy John surgeries. And, of course, you know, the Tommy John isn't, what it once was when you had that it was very iffy if you'd ever come back and now it's almost you know no big deal a lot of guys seem to come back better from it than before you're you're right about that Ivaldi induced seven ground outs retired the final 17 batters he faced after a first inning walk to Matt Chapman was the only blemish on his evening while that might be good news for Ivaldi and good news for the Rays it wasn't Of course, good news for the Oakland A's. They got no hit for six innings. And if you're an A's fan, or at least a fan of the A's in Oakland, where the game was played, you won't find this to be good news either. The game drew an announced crowd of 6,295 people. That's the smallest at Oakland Coliseum since April 3rd in 2003. That's not a lot of people. That's like playing in front of a double-A crowd. That is that's terrible attendance. I dislike seeing teams relocate, but 
Come on, 6,300 fans? Yeah. See, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Eovaldi's team, Tampa Bay, relocate because they've never really had strong attendance. And they've only been around not that long. Oakland, The Oakland A's have been around for a long time. They've had a lot of great players, some championship teams. To see a team with that much history have to move because nobody goes to the games is really disappointing. Oh, it's sad. That's what I'm saying. I don't like it. I mean, I, I, I know leagues like the idea of expansion and the huge payday that it comes with it nowadays, but you can't justify expansion when there are teams drawing 6,300 fans for a professional baseball game. Yeah. I'd hate to see the A's leave Oakland, but 6,300 fans? I hate to see Tampa lose its team. I, I like baseball in Tampa, but you're right. Nobody goes to the games, so put them someplace where they can be viable, where they can be successful, and it just doesn't seem like these markets. And that stadium in Oakland is mm-hmm. a, it's just a terrible stadium for It's a baseball. football stadium. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not ideal. So the DH debate continues to go on, and I'm not sure why, because does anybody really want to see a pitcher hit I'm not. I mean, nope. it's, it's, isn't it kind of like disallowing kickers in the NFL and making one of the linemen do it? I mean, I, I get it. There are a few Shohei Otani's out there, Madison Bumgarner's out there, but for the most part, man, will you just let pitchers pitch and it's hitters like, hit? In that in that uh, illustration that you made, it's like having the punter throw every ninth pass. You know, <laughs> it's just like you know he's bad at it because he never practices it. It's gonna go terribly. Just get rid of it. Nobody wants to watch it. It's embarrassing. Besides, with the DH rule in place, pitchers are able to just sort of hang out in the dugout, focus in on the next inning. And uh, I'll tell you, one of those worst things is when you have one of those cold nights and the pitcher gets on base and somebody runs him out a jacket. Now you got this Mm -hmm. guy wearing this padded jacket out there. It just looks ridiculous. (laughs) Nothing says, I don't belong doing this, like a guy in a big puffy jacket out there. (laughs) You're right. It's ridiculous. But there are other benefits to the DH role, as we found out recently. You can just ask Max Scherzer of the Washington Nationals, who tweeted after their game in Baltimore against the Orioles Wednesday night, Quote, being part of having a DH tonight is that I can stay in the clubhouse and watch the Caps game while we hit. Hashtag (laughs) all caps. That's awesome. If my man's sitting in there going in the dugout watching the hockey game, not that I'd be rooting for the Capitals. You know I loathe that organization. but Yeah, that makes two of us. Yeah, but there he is, a Washington Nationals player supporting the local hockey team. and As long as you're not in there watching hockey when Bryce Harper is batting, because you don't want to miss those at-bats. Scherzer's not a half-bat hitter himself. He's got a two eighty six average on the season. Managed to keep his focus, though. Wasn't just watching uh, hockey during this game. He struck out 12, walked one over eight innings, giving up just two hits, so... Maybe the mat, the Nats should let him go in and watch TV during every game. Just kind of relax or whatever it is he's doing because, man, he pitched a great game. But do you really think he went in and, and watched the game between innings? Or, or do you think maybe he just went in and did a score check? I'm sure it was a score check. I, it's hard for me. I, I know he's excited. I know he wants <laughs> to show his support for the Capitals. But it's hard for me to think that here he was actually engaged 
in the hockey game while his team's out there on the field. If I was his teammate, that that might yeah. rub me the wrong and way. And Scherzer's one of those guys that you see it every time you watch him pitch. He's such an intense competitor. Oh, yeah. He's yelling at himself on the mound. He's you know he's, he's all in. He's really passionate about it. So I can't see a guy that's that engaged in the game running down the tunnel to watch a few minutes of hockey. You know, I'm sure it was a score check and he was just, you know. An opportunity to tweet something out which shows you support your city. And, yeah, I I agree with you. So I think we have a fairly baseball-dominated show so far here in the opening. We've been talking baseball, a lot of more baseball to come later in the show. So let me give a quick hit on basketball. As we all know, LeBron James is in his eighth straight NBA Finals, and shortly after their finish, he will be the most sought-after free agent for the second time in those eight years. We saw reports earlier this week that Chris Paul could perhaps already be recruiting LeBron, LeBron excuse me, to join the Houston Rockets. We know the Lakers will be interested, the Sixers are interested, and I would really, I would expect every single other NBA team, including his current Cavaliers team, to consider how they can make this thing happen. How can we go? Look, some are a long shot, but you at least got to consider how you can make it happen. Add the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs to that list of suitors. (laughs) And no, if you're not familiar, they are not a basketball team. They are the AAA affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies. So I guess this is a baseball bit after all. Kind of. Still got LeBron James. The Iron Pigs made a pitch about a month ago saying that some time in the minor leagues was the only way he would definitively top Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. (laughs) Referring, of course, to Jordan's time playing baseball in the White Sox organization back in the 90s, the Iron Pigs team president said he would be in touch at 12.01 a.m. at the start of the NBA free agency season. They even put up a billboard showing a custom number 23 James Iron Pig jersey. Now it seems they're raising the ante just a little bit more. They've actually had one of those jerseys made up and are even planning an entire night in an upcoming home game called Hashtag LV Wants LeBron Night. They plan to give out LeBron James masks, basketball-style headbands. Anyone who wears a LeBron James jersey will get a free Sprite, which, of course, the basketball star is a a, a promoter of. Mm-hmm. I remember some years ago talking, I think we talked about it here, debated it in one of the shenanigans statements that you had, him wanting to play or there was some suggestion of him wanting to play in the NFL as as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Do you think LeBron James, do you doubt that he could do anything that he set his mind to? If he wanted to go play baseball, could he play baseball? I don't know that he could hit because hitting is so hard. But as gifted an athlete as he is, I'm sure he could play the field, run the bases, throw the ball, all of that stuff. I'm sure he could do that very well. Yeah, you see some of those guys, great athletes like Russell Wilson, who was a baseball player, and he goes to spring training and participates, and now he's in the Yankees organization because, uh, who was it, the Texas Rangers accommodated Mm -hmm. him. It was always his dream to be with the Yankees, and they, they made it happen for him. So this past spring training, you had Russell Wilson there, but... As good as these athletes are, hitting a baseball is a very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. They say it's one of the most difficult things in sports to hit a hit a round ball with a round bat. It's it's really very difficult. I think thing. it's the hardest thing to do, personally. Uh, boy, I, I, you, there's so many things. You, 
watching the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs and some of the deflections. I was watching with my son the other night, and that seems like I don't even understand. That game must move so slow. So we're talking about what's the hardest thing to do, hit a baseball. I could hit, I think probably most people, not just myself, but no matter how fast you throw it, it's just a matter of timing. I can hit it, you know, throw it at 105. I'm not saying I'm going to hit it a lot, but, you know, eventually I'm going to be able to at least make some sort of contact. I'll just start swinging before you even make go in motion. But when that ball moves and yeah. also comes in at plus 90 miles an hour, mm-hmm. well, no, that's a different thing. But in hockey, you got those deflections and, and these, these shots that they make, and they just sort of deflect it into the net. That amazes me. A guy with these huge football players coming on him, throws a pass, brilliantly spiraled down the field, hits a receiver. These guys are talented. Mm-hmm. Basketball is no exception. Some of those shots some of these people make with pressure on them, I think being a professional, I couldn't begin to tell you which is the hardest thing to do. They say it's baseball. I, who am I to argue any differently? But uh, when it comes to LeBron James, I just you scratch your head and you go, well, I bet if he gave it a real effort, he probably could. He's got such a muscular physique, and, and mm-hmm. I think he could do anything he set his mind to, probably. We're going to let you hear from a few sponsors who help us pay the bills, but hope you'll stick around, spend the balance of the hour with us, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. It's here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play, or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson here with Zach Barletta. 
Glad you could join us as we're talking sports and entertaining listening audiences from coast to coast and around the globe. How'd that sound? Pretty impressive, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's true, but whatever. That sounds good. So Zach wanted to review our preseason baseball show for some reason, talk about some of the things we said, see how they're holding up now that we're two months into the MLB baseball season. One of the things we mentioned, me mostly, really, I guess, is that I thought of the 10 available spots in the postseason. We already knew who was taking seven or eight of them. I said in the American League, you had the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Indians, and the Astros. In the National League, you had the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Nationals. That's seven of the ten. So basically, to me, the season was coming down to who's going to be playing for the wild card positions. Yeah. And, well, you got the Yankees and the Red Sox. At least I thought, if I recall, you didn't think the Red Sox were even going to make the playoffs. No, which looks pretty silly in retrospect. Well, that's what we're about to do, go through some of the picks. I'm sure anybody who does this, and this is a funny thing. We've talked about other shows, these national shows where you have experts, so to speak, but they never do this. You never They make their picks, but they never revisit them. That I can recall anybody doing. I'm sure somebody does it, but it would seem that by revisiting it, you would see how inaccurate most of this stuff really is. Mm-hmm. So as we look at it, I said the Yankees were going to uh, – I said the Red Sox were going to win the AL East, but the Yankees mm-hmm. were going to make the playoffs. And you said the Yankees were going to win the East. You had a lot of confidence in the Yankees, and the Red Sox weren't even going to make it. I I still contend that – I think Boston wins this division. Now, we got a trade deadline coming up, and – There's some interesting statistics when you compare the Yankees and the Red Sox. For instance, I was reading an article. Where is this thing from? Uh, Pinstripe Alley, Yankee uh, Mm -hmm. fan site, you know. Uh, And they were doing a report saying that 47% of the Yankees' games so far have come against a team with a winning record compared to just 33% of the Red Sox games. Because it seemed to me, every time I turn the TV on, the Red Sox are roll. I'm not debating that they're a great team. Like I said, I still think they're going to win the division. But every time I turn the TV on, it seems they were playing the Orioles or they were seeing, seemed to be playing the Rays while the Yankees yeah. are playing the Astros or the Angels or quality competition. And this article kind of confirmed my suspicions that that's exactly right. The Yankees just finished a series against the Astros. They've taken five of seven. The Red Sox have yet to play them. They'll be playing them, well, they're playing them now this weekend. Mm-hmm. But, uh, they're opening up. The Yankees have also played Cleveland. They're playing the surprisingly good Oakland Athletics. And Oakland Athletics, surprisingly good, getting 6,300 fans to come to a game. <laughs> the Yankees have played the Angels. And here's the thing. They're not only playing winning teams, they're beating those winning teams. In the 24 games against 500 or better opponents, New York has gone 16-8. and eight. When you make that same comparison, Boston is 10-8. and eight. So what do you make of that? Who knows? You know, you still got a whole lot of baseball left, but as you look at something like that, you can say, well, maybe the Red Sox numbers are a little inflated. And maybe you're mm-hmm. right, Zach. Maybe they, the Yankees will win that division. But I think both teams look like they're in good good shape. The Indians have taken 
a bit of control of, over a division that is just horrific. Yeah, that, that central is just a, a, a terrible division, and I, I think the Indians. I I see nothing wrong with that, and the Astros out west. Although the Astros have some competition. I think the Mariners are better than people thought they would be. Mm-hmm. And it, we, you and I were talking a few days ago, I think it was, and I, I can't remember if I said this on the air or if I thought it, and I should have said it if I didn't say it, but I believe I did. I like the Mariners. I liked. I, I thought they were probably going to challenge for a wild card position. Let's, let's face it, as long as the Astros are in that division, they're not going to win it. Right, but I think that's a pretty good team. That's a surprisingly good team. The A's have been surprisingly good, and the Angels, who you were very high on, mm-hmm. good team. So I think in the AL, maybe with the exception of your saying the Red Sox won't even make the playoffs, not that that's it's not possible, but our AL picks look pretty solid. Yeah, the National League is where. We have some issues. I picked the Nationals in the East. I believe you probably did, too. Yeah. The Braves have been playing terrific. So much young talent there. But Mm -hmm. the Nationals are, they're there. You know, and they've gotten back, they've gotten themselves back into first place, I believe, as I'm looking at. Yeah, they're right there with the Braves. The NL Central, though, I had picked the Cubs. What did you would say? I don't remember what you said. I had picked the Cubs. I had Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, Pirates, Reds in that order. And I clearly I was a little not I was not high enough on the Brewers and Pirates. They've both been very good. Though you though you were high on the Brewers, I do remember that. You were pretty high on them. But the way they're playing is terrific, man. They're playing good baseball. And I see no reason to think that that wouldn't continue. They've got a good balance. They've played just as well on the road as they well as they have at home. They're eighteen and eleven compared to eighteen and ten, so they're playing whether on the road or home. They're playing consistent, mm-hmm. and that's what you want from a ball club. You don't want uh, a, a dis a disbalance one way or the other. You kind of want to be consistent no matter where you go, and that's what the Brewers are. The NL West, I had the Dodgers. Um, I believe you did. You have the Dodgers. Yes. Yeah, and. That's the one where you could say, well, they've been hampered by injuries. Who knows what's going to happen with the Dodgers? But they've been making a run. Mm-hmm. I think they've won seven out of their last ten. They're moving up in the standings. They're within three or four games of first place. And the thing is, nobody else in that division is running away with it. The The Rockies and the Diamondbacks are ahead of them, but they've left the door wide open. Arizona's in first place with a with a just above or just yeah. under 500 record. I think we said last week during shenanigans that the Dodgers are only one or two hot weeks away from jumping right out back out into first place. When you're within three or four games, that's 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 a weekend series that can make a difference. I had the American League champion as the Astros, the National League champion as the Dodgers, the World Series champion as the Dodgers. That would I, I'm not as strong on that, but I can still stick with those. I don't have a problem sticking with those picks. I think if the Dodgers get people healthy, that's a very good lineup. And it's still so early, and there's still, you mentioned the trade deadline a little while ago. The Dodgers look like a team that could be a good fit in a Manny Machado trade, you know, or the Brewers could. You know, the National League, I think, is going to be affected in a significant way by the trade deadline because there's so many teams fighting for so few spots. And some of them weren't supposed to be there. 
So I think that's going to make it very interesting come the end of July. I think the Yankees are a team that could help themselves at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. There's no secret they need another pitcher. Mm-hmm. We knew that going into the season. They've got so many young players that I thought, and the reason I picked the Red Sox to win that division, I've said that I think the Yankees are probably a year away. Next year is their year. But here they are in position to make a trade and, and maybe solidify an opportunity to make a run for the World Series. And uh, I think it'll be fun to watch. So I don't think we're too far off. You wanted to review some of some of what we picked. Uh, the Dodgers, you can pick on. The Cubs, they're not there. And, uh, well, you, your thought about the Red Sox. I had the Twins as my other wild card team. I had the Twins and the Red Sox. I had Yeah, I had the Twins as well. And they've been disappointing. They've been disappointing. I had the Mets as a wild card team. I'm going to have a tough time living with that one. I am happy to say I never believed in the Mets. And uh, so I'm glad that I don't have to be depending on Jose Batista playing the outfield to make my pick accurate. Well, so there's a team that's right around 500. Here's the thing that I can't figure out with the Mets. That pitching staff is so stinking good. I said at the beginning, I thought Matt Harvey looking at a at a contract year was going to be focused, was going to be dialed in. He's not even on the roster anymore. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Noah Syndergaard is on the DL. Steven Matz left the game the other night with some sort of injury situation. I haven't heard if it's just a blister or if it's beyond that. But how does that team, if if it wasn't for bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. That pitching staff, I thought for sure, this has got to be the year. They're so talented. There's got to be at some point they get it together. But it just hasn't happened. No. And you got to feel for Met fans. They've kind of been a case example of why, at least in my opinion, you don't, when you're rebuilding a team, you don't build your roster around starting pitching because starting pitching gets injured so much. And you look at, you know, the the Mets chose to build around pitching. The Cubs chose to build around hitting. The Cubs won a World Series, and the Mets are the Mets. Here's something that's come up as part of this year's baseball landscape. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays manager Kevin Cash, he's used uh, pitchers such as Sergio Romo, Ryan Stanek as starters, spot starters. These are relief pitchers. He's Mm -hmm. put them in to start a game, get the first few outs of a baseball game, then turning over to his starters to come in after that. Well, I guess that would make Romo or Stanek the starter technically. He's not using them in that way. He's using them like he would a reliever Mm -hmm. in a spot situation, get a few outs before handing things over to a more traditional starting pitcher who's actually coming in in relief, Mm -hmm. but who they're hoping is going to go five, six, seven innings or longer. Hopefully you followed all that. Hopefully it made sense. And this has irked some players. And it... I think it was Ian Kinsler of the Angels. I could be wrong about that. But I, think I think you're right. I think he was one who was annoyed by it. A few other baseball purists, both on the field and off, in the media, and in the comment section of the Internet, people have been bothered by this. And I guess it might make pure stats guys go nuts. You know, blurring that line between reliever and starter. But I see nothing wrong with a manager getting creative to – get a key matchup early in a game. I mean, you might be putting Romo in to get a few outs just to get through the first inning and then turning it over your starter who you hope is still going to take you seven, eight innings into the game. 
You're a stats nut, Zach. Does that bother you using pitchers the way Cash has? No. Um, in a vacuum, I understand the logic of it. His thinking is that often the top three hitters in a team's lineup are their best. So you might put a reliever out there for one inning just to throw at max effort, try to get those three guy outs, the three guys out, and then your starter can come in and uh, have to face those guys one fewer time, which makes sense. Um, I don't think you'll ever see anybody do it with any kind of regularity because teams may start adjusting their batting order to compensate. You know, if you're going to start a right-handed reliever for the first inning, then maybe the team bats three lefties as their top three hitters or something like that, you know? So I don't think it'll ever be widespread. I understand why he's doing it. If you're as bad as the Rays are and no one's coming to your games anyways, it doesn't really matter. You might as well experiment. So I, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, typically it. you're putting your best hitters at the top of the lineup, mm-hmm. and what you're what you're doing by, by setting your pitching rotation that way, more often than not, you're avoiding those best hitters seeing your starting pitcher a third time through the lineup because that's been the thing that – all across baseball, statistics have shown the third time through the lineup, the batting average is elevated. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, what you'd probably be doing in the seventh inning or so, you know, when those guys come up for the third or fourth time, that's probably when you'd be going to a reliever to face those guys, right? So you might as well get, let the reliever face them in the first inning, get it out of the way, and see how deep your quote-unquote starting pitcher who comes in in the second inning, how far he can go. I mean, for me, I guess at the end of the day, I, what do I care what a pitcher is used? You know, yeah. as a team, a pitching staff needs to get 27 outs. Collectively, they need to get 27 outs while their offense scores more runs than they give up. So if you end up using a lefty specialist to get one tough left-handed hitter out, it really shouldn't matter if that's in the seventh inning or the first inning. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Get the guy out. That gets us 26 more that we got to get. Yep. Uh, I suppose if you're hitting toward the top of the order, though, and you have to face a guy designed specifically to get you out, I suppose that stinks, and you didn't plan on facing that guy until later in the game, and all that is magnified when you're in the midst of a prolonged slump, as Kinsler has been. And, and in fairness, I really can't remember for sure if it was him or not who got annoyed, but I could see where that could rub you wrong. And it's just, I don't want to face this guy. You know, I want to face the starter. I want to get to that third yeah. time through the lineup, and I don't want to face him. He gets me out every time. And we know that there are those guys. That for whatever reason, they just got your number. You can't hit him. You might hit every other pitcher on that team's roster, but you can't hit him. Thanks for being with us. When we come back, Zach will give us this week's shenanigans statements. Stick around because coming up later in the show, we'll be letting you know what it is that we like from this past week in sports. This is the Beyond the Game program with Rick Benson and Zach Barletta. We'll be back right after this. All right, let's take a look back on the week that was in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks Recap for the week covering up through May 31st. The Red Hawks Recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Roberts Wesleyan senior Chelsea Hayward closed out her collegiate track and field career last weekend with a pair of top five finishes at the NCAA Division II Outdoor National Championships. Hayward came away with a second place finish in the 200 meter and a fourth place finish in the 100 meter. 
Heading into those national championship competitions, she was ranked 14th in the nation in the 100-meter dash and 8th in the 200-meter, yet she finished in top five in both, and in fact, her second-place finish in the 200-meter was just one-tenth of a second off the winning pace. Naturally, she earned All-American status in both the events. Congratulations, Chelsea, on an exceptional career at Roberts Wesleyan College. After four years with the Red Hawks, Hayward holds records in five different events for outdoor track and field and is one of the most decorated athletes in Roberts Wesleyan history. And congratulations also going out to Roberts alum Jen Sewer, who was competing at the Prefontaine Classic in Eugene, Oregon for the first time in eight years and in doing so, set a new meet record. Sewer cleared the bar at 4.85 meters on her third attempt, which now gives the gold medal winning Olympian four of the top seven jumps in IAAF competition this year. Stay up to date with all the news regarding Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, as well as finding scores, game highlights, and more. Visit their website, robertsredhawks.com. And don't forget, you can always follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program, a sports talk radio program with a a faith-based perspective. That came out, but that was difficult to get out for whatever reason, tripping on my own tongue. Beyond the Game is recorded in Rochester, New York. But regardless of where you are, you can listen to the podcast by visiting our website, btgprogram.com. You can find it on iTunes, other podcast sources like Google Play. And, of course, you have the option to subscribe, have it downloaded automatically each week. The podcast is currently downloaded, listened to regularly around the world, places such as England, Ireland, and many others internationally. And now over the last few weeks, Mauritius has joined the list of international downloads listening to our program, and I hope you'll forgive my geographic ignorance, but I had never heard of Mauritius until I saw regular downloads over the last few weeks in our stats. Yeah, I have no idea where that is or how to spell it. It is an island nation in the Indian Ocean off the southeast coast of Africa, according to Wikipedia. In fact, it's technically the Republic of Mauritius, which includes the islands of Mauritius and Rodriguez, as well as a few other islands that are part of the Mascarene Islands, some of which are actually disputed territories. And as you might expect, soccer is their favorite sport. The national team is known as Club N, their nickname, the Dodos. Bluey, 
jazz guitarist. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Gene Paul Monick. He was actually born in Mauritius, though he moved to Britain when he was a child. He's worked with people like Stevie Wonder, Maxi Priest, and the great George Benson, of whom I'm a fan, not just because we share a name, we're not related, but I do know of Bluey from working with George Benson. Acid jazz is really his genre, but check this connection out. Bluey was born in Mauritius and was part of the jazz band named Light of the World. They derived their name from the 1974 Cool in the Gang album. Founding members of Cool in the Gang are brothers Robert Cool Bell and Ronald Bell, who were born in Youngstown, Ohio. Also, where the Beyond the Game program was downloaded this past week. Spooky? Something for uh-huh. myth and mysteries to delve into? Now what is that circle. connection, huh? And you wonder what I do with my time, don't you? <laughs> You're checking the maps. To all the fine, upstanding, highly intelligent, good-looking people on the island of Mauritius and in Youngstown, Ohio, we thank you for listening to Beyond the Game. And wherever it is you're listening from, we thank you as well. My work here is done. I've astonished your mind. I've expanded your knowledge. So it's I know I'm going to – Zach's going to do the same. So let him bring this week's shenanigans and prepare to be astonished. All right, number one. Having yet another Cavs-Warriors matchup in the NBA Finals is boring. Yeah, I agree. At least a little boring, I think. You know, the, game, the game should be pretty entertaining. It's amazing to watch LeBron carry his team, and you wonder just how far is he going to be able to carry him when it looks like it's – I mean, really, it looks like it's him and him alone. And I don't mean to insult the other guys, but he just does – everything and he does so much without him i suspect the Cavs are a lottery team but yeah here we go again i think most people like to see different teams different star players in these marquee situations i mean i'd be all right with my team winning every year but mm-hmm. uh, i'd be okay with my team going to eight straight finals and i know the Cavs haven't been eight but he has and uh, yeah, I think it's a little boring, but I get it. It doesn't bother me that much. Yeah, I I agree as well. I think it's boring. I'm a very casual fan. You know I don't watch much basketball at all. But, you know, to see the same teams just over and over and over again, especially when there are young, fun teams, you know, you can't tell me it wouldn't have been more exciting to see Philadelphia or Boston or somebody in the finals. I, I just think that would have been more exciting. And I think... I, I don't know if I could speak for you, but I'm just so sick of hearing about LeBron. You know, I would much rather see some of these younger, fresh teams. And Golden State, too, you know, it's just, I think before the season even started, we could have penciled these two teams in pretty easily. Yeah, you know, they took different routes. I think we said this a couple of weeks ago. They took different routes to get here. They got here. It's what we expected. There were a couple of teams that were also there, the Rockets, Celtics. I thought we'd see them at the end, and we did. They just all took different routes. So it, I'm not tired of seeing LeBron because he's so amazing. He's the best player, in my opinion, that we've ever seen. I, that I've recently changed over the last few years. I've always been a, a Jordan guy. He was terrific. But I tell you, LeBron is fantastic. And I think we need, we're seeing something pretty special. When you see a guy take his teams to eight straight finals, regardless of who that team is, uh, it might be boring because it's the same teams, but they're going to be different series. You do have different 
different players that are there. And it'll be interesting to see if Durant can carry the Warriors as LeBron carries the Cavs. Number two, Cubs first baseman Anthony Rizzo slide into home plate on Monday caused some controversy when he took out the leg of Pirates catcher Elias Diaz. Truth or shenanigans, Rizzo's slide was dirty. What do you think, Zach? This was a tough one for me to answer. Yeah, it was. Because he is within the rules as you know dictated in the rule book you he, his his foot is not above the catcher's knee he does make contact with the plate um it it's a legal slide but at the same time he's clearly looking to initiate contact with a catcher who's not even looking at him so i can't call it dirty because it's within the rules but i don't like it you, you know i don't know Everybody's going to look at this, and they're going to see it differently. Now, MLB has said it, it, that he should have been called out for interference. And I don't think it's a dirty play because I don't think he was trying to hurt anybody. I don't think he was trying to take a sh- cheap shot. He he doesn't have that reputation. But as you like to say, you're not a dirty player until you're a dirty player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think he should have been called out because it looked like interference to me that caused Diaz's throw to sail in the right field. I think... I think Rizzo was just trying to make a hard-nosed baseball play, but as Diaz is receiving the ball and preparing to throw it, he's drifting further and further out, and instead of just sliding into the catcher, that kind of draws Rizzo further out than I think he ever anticipated Mm -hmm. going, and I don't think it was a dirty play, but I would have called him out. Uh, I tell you, it's really... This comes down to new school or old school. The old school guys yeah. are going to say, you know, truck the catcher in that situation. And I disagree. When you're playing, paying people that mm-hmm. much money, we know what we know about neck injuries and head injuries and other injuries. I, I just can't get down with that. You don't, you don't truck any other position. Why should you be allowed to do it to the catcher? Absolutely. The Posey rule it was supposed to settle this thing. But it didn't, and that's because the umpire failed to make the right call. The video team failed to make the right call. MLB did say afterwards, has since admitted that Rizzo should have been called out, but on the field that didn't happen, and I I think the Pirates have a beef. But no, I don't think it was necessarily dirty, but boy, it sure didn't look good. Yeah, and I think the biggest obstacle that we're going to face with trying to get those plays correct is that the rules about sliding are so new. These guys have been trained and drilled for years of their lives and their entire baseball playing career. Break up the play, go in hard, make a little contact, make him move his feet. They've been trained their entire careers since they were five years old to go in hard and make a slide like that. And now you're trying to tell them, oh, no, you can't do that anymore. And I think we're going to see several years before it becomes more commonplace to slide straight into the bag and not make contact. And people see things differently. You and I can look at the same play and see it differently. That's why detectives talk to as many witnesses as they can because they're piecing together what actually happened. It's what makes the, the, the Gospels and the Bible so interesting. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John giving the same stories in a lot of situations, and there's a different perspective. They each mm-hmm. include different details. So it's just interesting. So you and I can look at that, and we're going to see different things. But, 
Yeah, I think you're right. That it's go- going to be difficult to really define what is and what is not allowable or, or dirty. It's, it's just it's such a gray line sometimes. Number three, the Yankees took two of three games from the Astros in the past week. The one game they lost was to Justin Verlander. Truth or shenanigans, the Yankees' inability to hit Justin Verlander is bad news for their World Series hopes. Nah, shenanigans. If they face him twice in a series, they still can win it in six, right? So what's the big deal? No worries. Serious, though, he's tough. I get it, especially on the Yankees. But he's not unbeatable. And it's not like he has a gauntlet with five infinity stones on it in his <laughs> pitching glove, you know. Their struggles against him, you know, that obviously makes things more difficult. You have to go out there and beat the other guys, though. That's all. Although those other guys are pretty good themselves. I know the Yankees won five out of seven uh, of the regular season against the Astros, but come the postseason, the slate is wiped clean, and whether mm-hmm. it's Verlander or Keuchel or whoever it is on the mound— that's going to be a great series. It's going to be a great battle if, indeed, they face each other. It's going to be contested, So, whether it's Verlander or somebody else. And I think you could flip it around, and where you say that the Yankees can't touch Verlander, well, the Astros can't touch Luis Severino. So if you can match those two up against each other and make it a battle of the bullpens, I think the Yankees could be okay in that game. I, I think, like you said, the Yankees have won five of seven versus the Astros this season so far. Um, Means nothing. Yeah. As, if, as long as you can beat the other pitchers in the rotation, which the Yankees have done, the the most startling of which is that suddenly they can hit Dallas Keuchel, which they never used to be able to do. And I think you're just fine. you know. And while I do expect those two teams to see each other again in the playoffs, you never know. You know, Something could happen. So um, I don't think that their inability to hit Verlander is a problem, but... There's a lot of baseball left. Agreed. Number four, over the weekend, former Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Des Bryant told a fan on Instagram that the one team he wants to play for is the San Francisco 49ers. So truth or shenanigans, Des will end up in San Francisco. What do you think? I can't see it. Um, I know that they've needed receivers for Jimmy Garoppolo, but they went out and drafted a guy high. They've added some depth guys. They brought back the good receivers that they had last year. Pierre Garçon is coming back. And most importantly, they're a young team trying to build a culture. They have a young quarterback who's only got just a handful of starts under his belt. I don't know that you want to add a diva attitude like Des Bryant, someone who's going to maybe throw fits on the sidelines, someone who has a reputation for being a disruption in the locker room. Um, It's the same reason that the Buffalo Bills really didn't seem to be interested because they have a young quarterback and they're trying to build a culture. And I just don't think he fits in a locker room like that. I think he needs to be on a veteran team that can keep his personality somewhat in check. Yeah, I say shenanigans as well. This is one of those one-against-the-field situations where almost always I'm going to take the field. You know, if you're saying he's going to end up in San Francisco and I've got 31 other teams that are options, I'm going to say, I don't know where he fits. They... They just drafted two receivers. I looked. I wasn't real familiar with the Niners, so I looked them up. They got eleven receivers on their roster. Yeah, eleven. Uh, Pierre Mar- Garcon, Marquise Goodwin, and two guys that they drafted this year, including one in the second round. I don't know where Bryant fits. Now that said, nobody on their roster is as dominant as Des, Des Bryant is, mm. especially down near the end zone, where every team wants a player who gives them a decisive edge and and. Des does. 
But no, I I don't see it either. I'm always uh, I have 31 other options. I'm going to take the field. Yeah, I'm not good at math, but I know those odds are pretty good. Right. Last but not least, the Capitals' Tom Wilson's hit on Jonathan Marcheseau of the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final deserved a suspension. Yeah, it was garbage. It was completely unnecessary. And this is just one of the league's most notorious headhunters. Mm. The guy's a modern-era goon. Yeah, absolutely. You really think that was innocent? No player in the NHL has been penalized more than Wilson since he came in the league in 2013. In fact, of his penalties, not just one or two have been majors here or there. 20% of them have been majors. This guy is dirty. I know the NHL would prefer not to suspend players during the Stanley Cup finals, and I get it. You want the best players on the ice, but sometimes you simply have no choice. They said that, well, it was shoulder to shoulder. He wasn't after the head. I don't know if the NHL knows this. You can get a head injury not getting hit in the head. Mm -hmm. A shock to the body that causes that head to bounce around and snap can do it. I just think stop saying you're serious about player safety, about head injuries, and then not enforcing rules in these types of situations. Yeah, absolutely. He deserved a suspension. And here's the thing. Regardless of whether the head was the primary target or not, he still hit him very clearly late. And to be able to hit somebody that late and just skate away with nothing to show for it is ridiculous because he very clearly could have injured him. The guy had made a pass and was standing watching the play. You know, he's completely unprepared to be hit because he's not supposed to be hit. That's a good way to injure somebody. And unfortunately, the NHL Department of Player Safety is somewhat of a joke in this area where the result of a of a dirty hit often determines the punishment where you can hit a guy and manage to not injure him somehow and get much less suspension than if you make the exact same hit and the guy gets a concussion. It should not depend on how badly uh, the guy is injured or not injured as a result of the hit. It should just be the fact that the hit was not supposed to be made. End of story. Yeah, and coincidentally, the hit was on Vegas's top postseason score. So mm-hmm. this just doesn't and add up to me. Here's the thing. March or so, even though he was not injured, he had to be taken out of the game for a while to be checked out and make sure he was not concussed. So what Tom Wilson did is make a dirty hit, get Vegas' top scorer taken out of the game for a while, and did not suffer as a result. Yeah, oh, it's terrible. That was bad job by the NHL. And, and again, they're not the only ones. All these leagues that say, well, we're about player safety yet, but they celebrate the violence within the game. Mm-hmm. And and fans are at fault of this, but fans are they don't know any better. And the leagues have to uphold that. The leagues have the responsibility to protect these players, regardless of whether the fans are bloodthirsty and want to see this type of stuff and are willing to pay whatever amount of money to see it. I know leagues want to take that money and give them that product and yet say, Oh, we're about player safety, but it's a bunch of garbage. If they're going to protect the players, they need to enforce the rules and get players like this off the ice, out of the game, completely whatever. The guy is a goon. I'm with you. There you have it for this week's shenanigans. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Vegas with your 
Hey gang, Benson here. You know, because I'm a bit of an introvert, I don't rush right up to people and get in a conversation as I see others do. I wish that were more comfortable for me. But that doesn't mean that I don't care about people. In fact, one of my greatest joys is to help people. The biggest help I can ever be is to tell folks about the grace of God. Now just hear me out. Give me just two minutes, and then because I know you're a smart person, decide for yourself what to do with what I'm telling you. You see, all of us are sinners. And because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us. So much so, in fact, that he sent his son, who is the only one who never sinned. And though he need not die, willingly did so on a cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sins. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. He says so in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But though he gave his life, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose again, defeating death, making it possible for us to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness. You see, that's the grace of God I want to tell you about. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people. God's grace is freely available to everyone. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Here it is, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you want to know Jesus, pray to God. Tell him you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and that he did that for you. And then start a new life, repenting from your sins and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be forgiven of sin, visit our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view.
Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back into the show. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, closing out yet another week of the Beyond the Game program. I want to tell you that what I liked this week was that opening ceremony the Las Vegas Golden Knights put on prior to Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals, but I do like my You Like Dats to go a little bit deeper. So, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with the humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. It's nothing new for Major League Baseball to orchestrate great presentations in honoring America's military on Memorial Day each year. There's always those special uniforms, the recognition of veterans and active duty personnel in the stands, and of course the remembrance of those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. But a moment captured at SunTrust Park in Atlanta this week was not one of those planned or orchestrated moments. Rather, this was a random act of kindness by an anonymous fan attending a Braves game. A picture posted to the official Atlanta Braves Twitter account showed a high school Marine Corps JROTC candidate standing at attention next to the stadium's POW-MIA Chair of Honor during a ceremony honoring those taken prisoner or declared missing in action. The cadet stood at attention through the rain, so a fan took it upon himself to open his umbrella and hold it over the cadet so that he wouldn't get wet. The Braves captioned the photo simply with the word, Respect. That photo of the fans' unselfishness has gone viral. Over 5,000 retweets. The respect for our American military showed by an anonymous Atlanta Braves fan is what I like, you like that? this week. You like that? What I like this week was Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Laurent Duvernay-Tardif graduating from McGill Medical School in Montreal and officially becoming a doctor. Duvernay Tardif has spent the last four years pulling double duty as both an NFL player and a medical student but can now focus solely on his first priority, which is playing football for the Chiefs. But he's got a pretty great plan B lined up whenever he does decide to retire. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif becoming a doctor is what I liked this you week. You like that? You like that? Well, that's it for this week. This has been the Beyond the Game program. Glad you could be with us for the show. Please consider partnering with our team here at Beyond the Game to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to thousands of listeners each week through Sports Talk Radio. Your financial contributions to this radio ministry is what keeps us on the air. And if you have a business, please consider advertising with Beyond the Game. For more information or to make a donation, visit our website, btgprogram.com. There's lots of other stuff there as well. Additional information about the program, past broadcast, detailed information about how you too can know Jesus Christ personally and begin a faith journey walking daily in the love of God. And don't forget to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. Our producer, Zach Barletta, his brother Spencer, a regular guest on this show, put in a ton of work to share with you some really cool and very interesting stories. Give them a listen for yourselves, Myth and Mysteries. It's available on iTunes and Google Play or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 